With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. On December the 18th, 2014, from the city of Coolidge, Arizona, we're in the book of Revelation, and we welcome all of you who are on board tonight. It's a nice evening here. It's cool, a little cloudy here and there, but it feels good to me. We um, are looking specifically tonight. We're we're going to work on verses four and five, but I mean five and six. But before before we get there, I wanted to add um, a little bit more of where um, we, we talked about an angel, and I just want a statement here. The strong angel we suggested uh, could very likely be referring to Christ, and we gave you some references, and there are references on the notes to that effect on a previous lesson. Um, But what John sees, he sees Christ, the angel, the messenger. John sees Christ as God's direct messenger. And I think if you can keep that in mind here, because of what happens later on down in this chapter, uh, I think it will come together for you. We also looked at one more thing in, in review that I'd like to pursue uh, just a might, a smidgen more tonight. And that is we, we talked about the placing of the right foot and the left foot, uh, the right foot on the sea and the left on the land. And I wanted, to, if if, um, if I can get you to go to the inner linear on that verse that you've got highlighted right now. The word, the word land. Who can read? Does anybody remember how what I said that was a symbol of? Humanity. No, that was the sea. Oh, the sea. Oh, uh, that was Israel. Okay, and and you'll notice that <clears throat> here in this translation, it says earth, and it really should be earth. It's the same uh, gaze for earth, even though in Revelation they've made it land. That's we find in uh, in Matthew five seventeen, heaven and earth shall pass away. Um, you know that we we've studied that, and uh, we know there that it's referring to the things that uh, relate to Israel. So there's no reason to change that here in the prophetic portion because this book is directed toward what happens to Israel and its demise. <clears throat> it is the fulfillment of all of the prophecies that Jesus gave concerning um, judgment and and that judgment upon 
the um, earlier ages and upon Israel. This book is dealing with that and the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. So I, there's no reason, I, in my mind anyway, not to stay with that as the symbol representation that the sea is, is the, represents where the beast and the political powers come from. That's particularly uh, the Babylonian, the Medo-Persian, the Grecian, and the Roman, uh, because he's quoting from Daniel, um, the second chapter and chapter 7. So it's pretty obvious that there the sea is representing the source of, of the political persuasions of one world empire, and he's got his foot on them. He has them subdued. They are subject to him now. And his left is on Israel. They're the ones who crucified him. And so he has his left foot on them. And they are subdued. They are under subjection. And the, and the uh, prophecies regarding Christ having all things put under his feet, I believe, is realized in this verse uh, as something that's about to take place. All right, let's go to verse um, verse 5. <clears throat> well, let me go back and read, just read through here so we pick up. I saw another strong angel, which we are referring to as in other references where it's identified with Christ. Um, and that's my observation. doesn't mean that you have to agree with that. Coming down out of heaven, and that's another indicator, it's out of heaven, and clothed with a cloud and the rainbow. And, of course, the rainbow is, the, is what? It's the source of covenant. That's what the rainbow stood for. It was God's sign of a covenant, God's sign of a, an agreement with the earth. Remember, we read Genesis uh, back there where it explained that for us. And then those who lived on on the earth were participants in that promise and that uh, covenant. But it represents covenant. So uh, Christ is our covenant. And the covenant was upon his head, or the rainbow was upon his head, staying true to the symbol symbolism here, was upon his head. Uh, it's a matter of how he was thinking. And his face was like the sun and his feet like pillars of fire. And, you know, I really think we ought to go back and read. Um, we didn't do this last week, but I made reference to it. Back to Revelation chapter 1 <clears throat> and <clears throat> verse, let's look at verse 12. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lamp lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstand, I saw one like a son of man clothed in a robe, reaching to the feet, girded across his chest with a golden sash. His head and his hair were white like white wool, like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. <clears throat> and his feet were like burnished bronze when it has been made to glow in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand... Now, there's a description of Jesus. 
And it's very much like different words are used because the scene is different. But it's very much like what we're reading about here in chapter 10. <clears throat> and so um, in his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in its strength. Well, that's just one of the things we just got through reading. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. And he placed his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one, and I was dead. So who is it referring to? Jesus. Okay. <clears throat> so that's one of the reasons why uh, we didn't take time to read that before, but one of the reasons why I'm suggesting that the strong angel uh, is... Uh, is John is seeing the strong angel as Christ bringing forth a message from God. <clears throat> and that's going to be introduced uh, in here in verse 3. <clears throat> so he had, and he had in his hand a little book which was opened, or in the process of being opened. He placed his right foot on the sea and his left on the land. That's his putting them under, under subjection. Uh, he has them subdued, which means that really he has every, all of his enemies are in a subdued situation with Christ. Now, if we're looking forward to that to happen in our future, then we're taking it out of the context of the book of Revelation. <clears throat> taking it out of the context of this whole part of the book. That's right. You were, we're, we're, we're moving it. We're transplanting it where it doesn't belong. Yeah, these few verses are about don't go beyond this book. That's right. Don't go beyond your future. And that's coming up real soon where it's very specific in verse 4. So, <clears throat> he cried out with a loud voice as when a lion roars, and when he had cried out, the seven peals of thunder uttered their voices. So that's God speaking through the angel who was Christ. It, that's what John hears. <clears throat> See the sequence. And um, so they, they, and the seven peals of thunder uh, uttering their voices, I believe, is representing the wholeness of God as we've discussed earlier in this book. Um, similar phrases. And I was about to write. They spoke. They gave John some insight, some information. And I heard a voice from heaven, some other voice from heaven saying, Now what you've just heard, you seal up the things which the seven peals of thunder have spoken, which would have come from whom? God, and only God. <clears throat> and do not write them. So we also discussed that He's not talking about things that are historic at this point. He's not talking about those things that are contained within the book of Revelation because that we are getting. So he has to be dealing with things that, in, that John, John was uh, having God, he, he was hearing the messenger say things about what is beyond, what's beyond. Those things he was not permitted to write. We can't go there. We have no way of going there. There is a future from Revelation on, but we have no idea because God said, don't 
write anything what you just heard. We're really curious. Just take a look around. Yeah. There <clears throat> True. So do not write them. Oh, we folks, we really need to uh, uh, hang in on that. <clears throat> Verse 5. So I'm saying that then the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land lifted up his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever who created heaven and the things in it and earth and the things in it and the sea and the things in it that there will be delay no longer. Now, as I suggested in the notes, only Christ could make that declaration. There is no more delay. We've come thus far in the book. <clears throat> now, now the time of execution has be, uh, is beginning, uh, was now to begin, and there is to be no further delay. No further delay so that it can remain within the context of the book. <clears throat> look at uh, Revelation chapter 1, and this is, we've been here before, but look at verse 1 and verse 3 uh, to tie together what I just said. In verse 1 first, <clears throat> the revelation of Jesus Christ, and you see, then that tells us um, what this book is about, which God gave him to show to his bondservants the things which must... See, God gave him to show to his bondservants. That's God, that's Jesus. Jesus, as the angel, is proclaiming what it is that God has given to him. That's why we're taking that stance in uh, chapter 10, verses 1 and 2 and uh, communicated it by his angel to his bondservant John, and uh, or through the angel to his bondservant John. And I realize that there's a little bit of a duplicity there, but he tested, but, um, but the things that the, the thing I'm after there is the things which must, what? Soon take place. All right, things which must soon take place. Now look at verse 3, the very last phrase on that last third verse, for the time is near. near. So <clears throat> now we jump over to chapter 22 and look at verses 6 and 7. These things, the last, the last phrase there, these things which must soon take place. Verse 7, Behold, I am coming quickly. Now down to verse 10. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. near. So the time factor is there, and, and all that we're studying now is, be, is squeezed into these two ideas. The time is near, these things are all about to take place. I am coming quickly in verse 12 of, the, of that same chapter. I am coming quickly. 
So the time of execution was now to begin, no further delay, and that's why he says in verse 6, the last phrase, that there will be delay no longer. It's all going to take place within the framework of this book, within the time frame imposed upon it, and that the things that John had heard that go beyond this, what was he told to do with them? Do not write. Don't record it. So anything that is beyond the time frame of the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple isn't for us to know, and there's nowhere you can go to get it. This book ends it. There will be nothing more. You can see how mixing evolution with the body would make, uh, you know, the time is near and coming soon. That would work great because, you know, a million years to God is like one minute to us or something like that. So you can go ahead and... And you still can't use that because, I mean, the parts of the Bible where it talks about prophecy and how, and then after prophecy, and then that, the words near and soon and quickly, they're never used any way since how they're written. Yeah, yeah, true. But on the other hand, verse verse ten nails that shut because it says it's there will be delay no longer. So, I mean, not verse ten, but uh, chapter no, ten. Six. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there will be delay no longer. It that you can't, you can't you can't uh, butter that up with evolution. No, you can't do it. And we're going to talk. We're going to come back to your evolutionary thing in a, in a minute too. Because that's, but I kind of, I kind of gave you everything, the summary of, of everything here. Now let's go back and look at some of the details in verse five. <clears throat> the, this angel, whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land, and the reason I'm suggesting again that this is referring to the strong angel that is Christ, is because he is the only one to whom it was promised that all things would be brought under his subjection, and he would subdue all things. And that's what putting your feet on them represents. And we looked at that from 1 Corinthians and Ephesians and Hebrews last week. That um, all things, he would, all things would be brought under his feet. <clears throat> and so the, the things that were his enemies. And that was civil government here and the Jewish government over here. <clears throat> now let's... Um, uh, so he makes this declaration in verse 6 that we'll, there will be no more delay. We've read the description of Christ in Revelation 1, 12 through 16. We have to remember that description of Jesus. We can't remember him, what we're going to do a week from last night, and that is remember him as the little helpless baby in a manger. Now, he had to start that way because that was to demonstrate to us that he was one of us. So he has to come that way. And had he not come that way, he would not have come at all. It wouldn't have been who he was. He must come that way. Uh, but it, it's, it's, it's important for us that we no longer see him uh, as the babe in the manger and that we no longer see him from the standpoint of being a part of the Jewish covenant. That is, according to flesh. 
we still hang on to that. We still talk about him being a Jew. He was while he was here, but he isn't that anymore. He isn't a part of Judaism. That work which produced him is done. It's gone. Look at first, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.16. <clears throat> Second Prince. Hi, Greg. Did you pay extra? I did. Oh, good. <laughs> Which reminds me of something. <clears throat> oh, just remind me. I got. I need to see you afterwards. <clears throat> Verse 16, therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. I bet you haven't heard many sermons built around that verse. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Now, I know some of those words are added in there, but they're really reflected in the Greek text. Um, <clears throat> think about that. From now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. From this point on, from now on, Paul is saying to the Corinthian people, from now on, there is a, a way to recognize people and there is a way not to recognize people. We no longer recognize people as to how they were born. Things of the flesh over which that person has no choice of. Now, it says we knew Christ that way, but we don't know him that way any longer. Because if he was still that way, then the next verse would never make sense. If anyone is in Christ, a new creation. It should be, there's no he is. It just simply should be a new creation, not a new creature, a new creation. The old things passed away. The things that gave you your fleshly identity before no longer new things are. Now these are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And that, that reconciliation is getting rid of the fleshly origin. He's not talking about your blood and bones and body. He's talking about the identity over which you have no control that Christ was a participant of when he was here, but that's not how we know him. That's not how we know him now. We need to see him now as the one who brought reconciliation between man and God. And even though he came as a Jew, that was to give him historicity. But once that has fulfilled his ministry, now... Now we see him as the reconciler, as the mediator, not of the Jews, but of anyone who is in him. They become a new creation by God's work. 
So we have to be careful about getting too focused on the history of Jesus, how he was in this world, when he was here, when he was as one of us in nature, but as one of the Jews in culture and origin, we have to realize that now he's the one described in Revelation chapter 1 with a face like the sun and feet like pillars of fire. He's the covenant man. He's the one that has the rainbow upon his head. And uh, he's clothed with a cloud. There's ominousness about Christ. This is the one. I saw standing on the sea and on the land or on the earth. It should be earth because that's more in keeping with how we've described it. In its gaze, it should be translated earth. Uh, And he lifted up his right hand to heaven. Remember, he came down out of heaven so that John could hear the message. And then he is lifting up his right hand to heaven. He is the one that has the book. uh, And and I believe it's the little book uh, that is being opened of the seals. And that can be argued. Um, and he he swears through him in verse 6, who lives forever and ever. And I put a note in here that I think is in the note somewhere. Um, If forever meant what most people think it means, why would we need to put it in there twice? See that? Yeah. And it's the same word. It's, it's Ionis, Ionos. Um, for, you know, age and the age. Um, what was that? Oh, well, good, yeah, good. He swore in him uh, that liveth, uh, into the age. And uh, into the age, uh, and and the age, the, the age of the ages. I mean, it, you just pretty hard to put a boundary on that. But you see, it wouldn't be necessary if forever meant how it is that we look at it, because people say, well, the law, it says that God gave the law forever. Well, it was it was forever as long as the people to whom it was given Uh, were around, and that was the nation of Israel. But now that comes to an end. So he created heaven and the things in it. Now here again we have a reference to God as the creator, and, and the angel takes his oath upon that fact. The reason that I believe that Jesus does that, or the angel, the strong angel here, the one that has subdued the source of the beast, the four world empires, and the nation of Israel on the other left foot, if God can pull creation off, then he can surely pull the purpose of creation off. You see that? 
So he's making his, he's taking his oath through him. He is putting all of his stock in the one who created the heaven and the things in it and the earth and the things in it. And I think that if you look at the Greek here, Of that, of that same verse. Uh, uh, just up one more line. Just uh, Okay. Who, who created here, who created heaven? And, and um, you see what they've dropped? Who, who created the heaven and the things that are therein, or the things that therein are, uh, although that's not there either, but it's tied into the previous verb, and the earth and the things that are therein, and the sea and the things which are therein, that time no longer there should be. And that's the conclusion that there, there will be delay no longer. Now, he's giving us here, there's two possibilities here. Um, and you think about it. That because he's talking about who created the heaven, that the article is there, remember? And, and the things in it. He could re- be referring here to the heavenly realm. He could also be using this symbolically to represent heaven and earth that we usually think of it, and the sea, as we usually think of it. So, what do you think fits in with the context the best? Have any opinions? I mean, obviously, you know, we've been through sea being kind of a, a symbol of humanity. That's right, and and um, the, and all the four beasts came out of the sea, and it's described that way later on in the, in the next few chapters. Here we have that uh, represented as uh, humanity, uh, the peoples of the world, and so it's very likely then here that. Uh, he created the heavens and the earth of that which is in the process of being destroyed in verse didn't he say not going to be any longer around there will be no longer delay haven't we been studying here about what's happening to the jewish heaven and earth it's very likely very likely but they also then were created by god god created the heaven of of israel he created the earth of Israel, the heavens and the earth, the city of Jerusalem, and the temple, and the sea. So there is a possibility that he's referring to it that way. There is the other possibility that here, in this particular text, that he is only describing the God upon whom he says is capable of following through in what we've been talking about. The only- only God is capable of creating anyway. 
That's right. So, I mean, you can add anything you want after that, and that's still something worth putting stop in because nobody else is going to be able to do that. That's right. Uh, and, you know, um, let, let me um, go, let's go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. <clears throat> And verse 15, <clears throat> I don't think that it makes a significant amount of difference, but it could, but in my mind it doesn't at this point. Which way you look at this, it kind of depends on which way you come at it here. Uh, my preference is the first way that I explained it. Um, second, secondly, um, as the literal heaven uh, and the literal earth and the things in it and the literal sea and the things that are in it. Um, I think that's a secondary possibility. I prefer the first explanation that it is symbolic. Okay, but now, but now if either way, <clears throat> look at Colossians 1 verses 15 through 17. This is talking about Christ. He's talking here about the one of whom we're speaking in chapter 10. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for, oh, I don't think that's a by. We better check that out. True. It's what? In. Oh, in? Are you talking about verse 15? Yeah, the first. For oh, in him. Yeah. Okay. In him, <clears throat> all things were created. And this is the strength of the second position, secondary I thing that I explained to some extent. For in him, all things were created both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones, dominions, or rulers, or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. See how that could be the answer to our text. It isn't to me the ideal answer, but that doesn't make this any less true. All things have been created through him, and I see they've translated it by, but it might, this, this Bible has it right, created through him and into him, rather than for. So it's into him. Everything. That, how, so how does Christ fit into the, how does he fit into creation from this perspective? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, the sky wouldn't exist. Uh, St. Helens wouldn't exist. Mount Hood wouldn't exist. The moon wouldn't exist. Saturn wouldn't exist. Nothing would exist if it weren't for Christ. Everything was made through him that was made. Everything. There wouldn't be a mole. There wouldn't be a mosquito. There wouldn't be an ant. There wouldn't be a snake. There wouldn't be a dog, a cat. Wouldn't be a horse, wouldn't be a hippopotamus. 
Everything that has been created has been created through him and into him. In other words, in all things are held together through him. Later on in this same chapter. Well, the next verse. And he is before all things and in him. In him all things dissipate. Is that what it says? Oh, in, in him all things held together or keep their consistency. In him they keep their form. They consist. They keep their identity. So does he play a does he play any role in this at all? Yeah. So whether that's what the angel when I believe it's Christ, and I realize that can be argued, but I, I, but he is taking his oath upon what he is saying upon the one who is able to bring all of this about, and he is the one through whom it all happened. I, I think we need to look at life from that perspective. And whenever we, when, whenever we change, the creation process and the order of creation in any way, we are emptying the word of God of his power. That God said, let there be light and, well, a few billion billion years later, it began to there begin to be a little bit of glimmer, but only after an explosion. Well, yeah, there had to be that too. <laughs> but you see, we we've tampered and we've allowed our schools to get away with tampering with the creation thing, and the results of that is we have taken the power out of God's word. Evolution in any form, whether it's here or in our text in Revelation, no matter how you cut it, any time it's less than a creation uh, activated by the voice and the action of God's speak, uh, voice. We are rob- robbing it of its power, and I've got a comment here. It takes the punch out of worship. I... I'm surprised at how many people come into church still believe in re- in evolution. It takes the praise away from God. It That's takes the, the praise away. And when you take away the praise for the creation, then you completely you can completely discount the sacrifice. All of it. You, and no, all there's no need 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 for it to come together. There's no doubt that it's just blasphemy. It's pure and simple. At least once we, you know, are told. So the, the creation thing, no matter how you cut it, if it's whatever it is that God has done, uh, he did it his way in his time, and we can't mess with that. And because of verse 6, because of what it was that God brought into being, no matter what, what implications you put on this verse, no matter how you look at it, what God has brought into being 
And because the angel is taking his oath by that action of God, we are assured, the audience, John is assured, that he can follow through with what it is he's doing in this book until it's done, until it's completed. That's why in verse 6, and he swore by him. That means he took his oath. He, he's making his promises. He's got his commitment all tied up in the one who lives forever and beyond forever. Who created heaven and the things in it, whether that's literal heaven or whether that's the heaven of uh, Judah and Jerusalem uh, and the things in it and the earth and the things in it, it would be inclusive of both. I guess that was my bottom line, is where I wanted you to see the two possibilities. But the bottom line is, it includes everything. He is the creator of the heaven, the things in it, the earth, and the things in it, and the sea, and the things in it, no matter how you cut it. He qualifies, and the time of execution is now to begin. There is no further delay God can follow through and complete what he starts. He can do it with just the sounding of his voice. Any questions? Was it a call to worship? Was it out of Psalms? The, we just read it. I don't know if it was in class or during the service that we read that a loose trans that the creation what sing sings uh, sings praises in the day and and teaches at night. What was that? Uh, but you're close. That's that's close enough. We get okay. it. We get the drift. But that's um, and Psalms 19 verse one or 20 verse one says, um, and they shout forth the glory of the Lord, you know, the, the heavenly bodies. And and uh, so there's lots of things that... Um, well, my point being is that the problem with evolution and the reason that the, we have the friction that we have is because the creation fights back against the teaching. Yeah. It's constantly throwing up another roadblock like most lies as the lies keep getting exposed, the new ones are told to cover up that one. And it's, it's, a, it's a muddy mess. It's, it's, that's how man operates. Yes, it is. Through, Satan through man, politically, uh, religiously. Here's what I wanted to close with in 1 Corinthians 4. Our time is gone. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 20. For the kingdom of God does not consist in words. I need that in the Greek if I can get it real quick. <clears throat> and and the reason I give you two views of verse 6 is because I know there's some pretty strong arguments um on both ways for that. But I want but I but the bottom line is that I think that the God who can do either and who did both, can follow through with what he has promised. The kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. 
Notice it in the Greek. For in word, the kingdom, that is that which is of God, is in power. In power. Not empty words. It's not made up of just stuff. Not, not, of, not of just words. But it's the words that have with them the ability to perform what it is they're talking about. So if God can pull creation off because he speaks it into existence and he wants us to see that or the Jewish nation because he speaks it into existence or the promises made to David and, and to uh, uh, Solomon speaks them into existence, what, whatever it is. And uh, no matter what process he used, God, if he can pull creation off, he can surely pull the purpose of that creation off. And that's what we're seeing in verses 5 and 6, no matter how else you look at it. In power. Like the Democrats are in power. I, I mean, I'm not making a joke. I mean, in power, in like power. They're, they're calling the shots. That's right. Everybody else is just talking words. They're not doing anything about it because they're not in power. And God, and God and but his, God's and in his power. kingdom is in power. His kingdom is in power. Yeah, Good. I'm, I'm glad you made me. I, I, I wanted to get that clear yeah. because there's, there's a lot of ins and buys talked about in this class. Sometimes they all start running together a little bit. I know, yeah. But the kingdom is where? It's in power now. In power now. Yeah, it's not just words. It's in power. It's in power. It has the capability of doing anything that God desires it to do. The kingdom of God is in power. My. Think about it, folks. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your word because it represents your power and that the kingdom that is yours is in power. May we recognize that and may that be the determinant factor in our life and how we think, how we live. We pray for each one who has been here tonight, uh, for each one to be encouraged uplifted, and may your word always be what makes us strong. In Christ's name, amen. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.